everyone. Hi, friends. Welcome back to Barb Knows Best, the podcast. I'm your co-host, Michelle Maros, and I'm here with Peaceful Barb. Hello, Barb. Hi, Michelle. How's it going being you today? It's wonderful. How's it going being you? Hello, friends. I'm so happy to be here today. Are you? Yeah, this is a really juicy topic we're mm-hmm. delving into. So I hadn't really thought about this. I mean, we were immersed in this well, maybe a couple years ago at the beginning of the pandemic. So it's very, it's been very interesting to me for our conversations lately to talk about this that has happened to us. And I think it's really up for a lot of people. We get a lot of comments about this. So as always, I'm looking forward to being here with you today. Me too. Um, So let's get into it. Love it. Great. So I wanted to bring up the topic of friendships because I know we've discussed a lot of family stuff, a lot of other relationship kind of stuff, but the topic of friendship I think is an interesting one to discuss because there tends to be a lot of um, societal rules and pressures about how to be a quote-unquote good friend, what a, a friendship is supposed to look like, how it appears on the surface level, and then like how I guess you're supposed to feel around friends. And I just think it's a really interesting topic to dissect because, at least from my experience, I've had a really interesting road with friendships that have always made me question like my own likability and ability to be like a real friend and um, have gone through a lot of friendship breakups And I just think it's a good conversation to be had. I love it. We've had a couple of, well, many, but a couple really deep conversations online through DMs and things like that with people that asked us to talk about friendship breakups. I had one in particular DM me recently that said a 40-year friendship just broke up. So I do think it's, I I think it's up, but I I also think it's relative. It's really hard to think about what happens when a really long-term friendship or a friendship that you feel, I don't know, feel like excited about and you think that this is, this is really a deep, great friendship and everything seems to be going really, really well. And then all of a sudden something happens and it's over. So I'm looking forward to this conversation today. Yeah, me too. Um, Like I said a little bit ago, I've had a lot of ups and downs when it comes to friendships. I think I, when I look back on my life, even though I'm only in my, I guess, I guess I'll say it late thirties at this point. Um, I've had some breakups with like what I would consider my best friends. And it's a really hard thing to look back on because it's like, I know I've talked to my therapist about this quite often, you know, what's wrong with me where I have so many rocky roads with people I consider my best friends and uh, like you alluded to, mom, a little bit ago, we had a, a mutual where the two of us were friends with the same person in a breakup. And after that breakup, which was a few years ago, I really started to learn a lot about what I feel like is normal and natural and acceptable in friendships. And that I really began to release myself from that judgment of... um the breakups in general. 
And I think what I've learned, because this was right before COVID, you know, like months before COVID happened, what I've learned in all of this is, and we had a really good friend and colleague say to us recently, when we were talking about a friendship that, that went bad in the past few months with a, with a, with a business colleague. And I, she, I remember when she said to us, but she said it so naturally and so calmly, but why did you think that they could be friends? They can't be your friend. You know, so it was very interesting for me to think about that and the relationship with boundaries. And you and I, Michelle, had a long conversation about that later about boundaries. So I think as we move through this episode, it's interest, it's been very fascinating for me to look at where am I with boundaries and what do I even think about boundaries? And that's not what this conversation is about. But how does it relate to different different types of friendships? And so I think in my mind where I'm going with all this is I think in my mind, I just kind of lump them all together. (laughs) You know, if I like someone and we're getting along and we're having wonderful conversations and it feels like a reciprocated caring and, you know, then it goes further and then we, then it goes a little bit deeper and goes a little bit deeper. I'm just thinking it doesn't really matter who you are. And if you're a business colleague or if you're a friend or if you're a neighbor, whatever it is in my mind in the past, it used to all kind of be together. And what I've learned since this particular breakup that we're going to talk about today is that that's, that can't be, that sometimes that is wishful thinking or hoping or wanting something to be that way. But actually, when you look at all the, the particulars of the situation, it, it actually makes perfect sense that it would end the way that it did. Yeah, so you kind of went a little bit forward into the conversation. Oh, I did? Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) I kind of do that to you. I'm sorry. It's okay. (laughs) Just to rewind a bit, I think we should even just talk about like what what it means to be a friend because I know you've you've mentioned this a few times on the podcast. Like growing up, you didn't have a lot of friends, and now that you're an adult and later in life, you you have your people. But like, what do you feel like is a good qualifier or signifier of a friend because I think that at least for those of us, I mean, you, whenever mm-hmm. you talk about your story and you're like, I had no friends growing up. It's like this, like, Oh my God, this poor little Barb with no friends, but it's true. Okay. <laughs> um, but I think a lot of us have a situation where we are kids, we become friends with our neighbors or, you know, family friends or the kids that we meet in school and we grow up with them and we kind of keep the few around. And then we, you know, like it's a natural progression of you become friends with like, you know, the people who are around you or whatever. And those are your people. But what do you think is a signifier, a qualifier or an entry point into a friendship? And what does that even look like? What a great question, Michelle. But let me just let me just go backwards just for a second because I know I do said I do say that a lot. I didn't have any friends. And so let me just qualify that. I didn't have any friends because I was scared to death every moment that I woke up. I, you know, I was raised with two alcoholic parents and it was really, really, really difficult. So I didn't think that I, I don't know, I, I kind of, for whatever reason, I kind of excluded myself. It wasn't that people didn't probably approach me or want to be friends with me. I don't even know. When I look back on my childhood and when I look back even through high school, I don't even know, but I do know that I walked into life every morning with an armor, with my guard up, scared, 
just hoping that I could make it through the day so that everything would be okay. So I don't even know. So I just want to qualify that, that it wasn't that poor Barb, she didn't have any friends. When I think back on it, I think there were a lot of people out there that maybe approached me. I don't even remember, but I had such an armor up and such a guard up because of the circumstances that I was living in as a child that I don't, I don't think that I was open and receptive and ready to have friends. But the, the, really, the really interesting fact about that, though, was I was dying to have friends. Like, I was deeply wanting friends. I wanted someone, you know, that liked me or someone that I could have a conversation with or someone that I could be with. So it's really interesting for me to look at that and think, I was the one that set it up because of how I entered every single day. But the flip side of it was that I was really deeply desiring that to begin with. So I just wanted to say that what I think for a friendship for me today, especially given through everything that Michelle, you and I've been through, especially this past year, but also looking even in the past people that I've chosen that I, that I feel like were really deep, lovely, beautiful friends. And not that they're not, I, I, there's no diss to the people that Michelle and I are going to talk about today. Cause we're not, obviously we're not talking about people were talking about the relationships that we've had is that it just isn't for us. It just, whatever happened and transpired didn't, isn't what we value as a friendship. So for me, it's loyalty. And I think we talked about this at one of the other episodes. I would really love it. I love it when someone loves me and cares about me deeply and doesn't really even need to know what's making me sad or what's making me suffer. Just, just says, I'm here for you. What do you need? I'm here. I love you. I love you unconditionally. I'm here for you. So I know that's a pretty tall order in a friendship, but for me, that's important. I have a question that's kind of a little bit off topic, but do you think that unconditional love is is healthy? Oh, that's interesting. Like wanting unconditional love from people is even possible or a good idea? Hmm. I've never been asked that before. I think for me, I think what I have discovered over all these years, because I've had many, like most of us, people who have wronged me or I have have felt hurt by or felt betrayed by, as I process the grief or the sadness or the anger, I come out the other side, not wishing them ill will, not wishing that they fail, not wishing that they die, <laughs> whatever. Jeez. But I know, no, I mean, you know, sometimes if we get really hurt, we, we like the people, I, I've heard people say to me, they're dead to me. Mm-hmm. So I, I come out the other side feeling that way, but I no longer want to have anything to do with them. So I guess I kind of view that as a little bit of an unconditional love. Like I don't want anything bad to happen. To, I'm not wishing that they be terminated or, or fail, but I also want nothing to do with them. So I, maybe we need to, Michelle, you know, maybe your question begs the question, how do we define unconditional love? Like I have family members that I no longer talk to for decades. Do I love them? Yes. I love them. No matter what, I love them. 
Am I in relationship with them? Do I do things with them? Do I see them? Do I talk to them? No. But when you, if someone would say, hey, what about so-and-so? I would, I would have a fond feeling about them and have no qualms about wanting to actually be with them. So I think it's hard. It's really hard to get to that place, but I think it's possible. Yeah, I ask that because another podcast that I listen to, your favorite podcaster, Jackie Schimmel. She has my, she's my favorite podcast to listen to. But anyways, she was talking about the topic of unconditional love and that it made me think about it a lot because if you're loving somebody unconditionally, does that mean that you let bad behavior slide? No, no, no. It means you love them. See, I think that there's, wow, this is really deep, Michelle. I didn't think we were going to go Jackie so deep. Schimmel po- no, but I mean, brought it up for me. It's really deep. She's deep. It's deep to think about unconditional love because for me, if this is, this is really deep. If we are love, like if our true nature is love and caring about humanity, then we will always love if we lead with love. But love doesn't always mean that we have a relationship with them. We can love people. I say this and I, I, I bet I say this at least several times a month in posts that I do or quotes or workshops. We can learn to love people from afar. And I think maybe, Michelle, you know, you and I are really, I, I, I love the idea that we, that we define words and, and messages in our own way. And I love that we could maybe redefine this for people. Unconditional love for me does not mean that I have a relationship with the person. Like an external, you know, we always talk about living life from the inside out. What's happening on the inside of you? So on the inside of me, I have family members that I love deeply. On the outside of me, I have family members, those same family members that I love deeply that I want to not have a relationship with because it isn't good for me or for them. So I think nothing is black and white which is what you talk about a lot, Michelle, you say, where's the gray? And so for unconditional love, there's, it's gray. It means we love, but it doesn't mean we like. It doesn't mean that we are okay with behavior. It doesn't mean we're going to be a doormat. It doesn't mean that I have to abdicate who I am and abandon my own self for the sake of someone else. Like when I care for someone and I deeply love someone and want to be with them, I'm never abandoning myself. I'm giving of myself for them if they need me. I have a dear friend right now who's sick. I will do anything for her, but I'm not going to give up myself. And she would never ask me to give up myself. She loves me just the way that I am. So unconditional love for me is I love you just the way that you are. And what you can give me is wonderful. And so for people that want us to, to be a chameleon and change ourselves and don't like who we are and, oh, I don't like that you did that or I don't like that you're this way or I don't like this political thing that you are, or, I don't like this, that's not unconditional love and I don't think that that's possible, but I think it's possible to love someone regardless of all those things but not have them be a fixture in your relationships and in your life. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, no. So it sounds like what you're saying that, you know, real, real friendship to use your words of redefining how things are 
is a relationship with no, you know, ulterior motive or expectation, but just showing up how you are as you are with care for the other person. Yes. So if someone shows up in my life that there are a lot of red flags or or behavior type situations. Like what? Sorry. Not being okay if I have to cancel at the last minute. Not being okay with my own political or religious or community views. Not being okay if I just want to call up and say, you know what? I'm not okay with this. Could we take a break? Or could could I not show up at this event? Like not like not being okay with whatever's happening in the moment. And I don't mean if it's abused or I don't mean that it's someone that's taken advantage of you. Let's, we're never talking about the extremes because I'm, I'm never talking about the extremes. There are people out there that are extremes. Let's bring it into just like a one-time thing or a couple-time thing. Like I want to be able to call someone and say, I'm just not feeling well today. Could I see you next week instead of today? And them not say, oh, what's the matter with you? Or why? What's what's going on? You know, like need to know the excuses or need to know the reasons why. My perfect, in a perfect world, my perfect answer when I say that to someone would be, I'm so sorry, can I do anything for you? Mm-hmm. And, if, and if, then I probably would say, no, thank you for being here. And they would say, I'm always here for you. Let me know if I can do anything. Give me a call when you're ready. That's my ideal friendship. Interesting. Because I, going back, I don't want you to feel like you're like on the hot seat and I'm trying to grill you on everything you say about friendship, but going back to what you said earlier about qualities that you enjoy about friendship or that you look for in friendship, you mentioned the word loyalty. And I think that at least for me, there's been this um, feeling that, you know, you have to be loyal to your people until the end of time, you know, and like I said, alluding to having a handful of friendships gone awry and like, you know, does that mean that I'm not loyal to the people in my life and all of that? So like, when do you feel like loyalty is no longer on the table then? I love that you brought this up. It's interesting. And I think. Because even like, uh, sorry not to interrupt you, but in our own family, we've been talking about loyalty. And like, I've felt this weird um, angst inside. Or, you know, I, I always say that I like to play the devil's advocate within my own life against myself. And I'm like, well, you're not loyal. And so it's like, when does loyalty take a side because of the things that are happening in the present that aren't okay? You know, I think it's defining loyalty. You're right, Michelle. What does that mean? And for me, it doesn't mean you're going to choose me necessarily. That's what's so fascinating. So if we think about the most recent topic that we've discussed a couple episodes now, I think, maybe two or three, here's what loyalty means to me. I'm distressed. I am overwhelmingly distraught. I am sad. I am suffering. I am crying. I'm having a really difficult time. 
It doesn't mean that I'm right. It doesn't mean that I'm wrong. It just means I am feeling this. I am this in this moment. So loyalty to me means if it's the if I'm discussing this or I'm showing up for the person that I that I think is loyal to me and that I love dearly, loyal to to me means what do you what are you feeling? What can I do? What's happening right now? What what can I do? How can I how can I be here for you? Hmm. Because it it actually for me, and I'm actually getting a little emotional right now thinking about it. This whole episode. So it actually for me means you get me. You're you're not you're kind of joining me in my sadness, and you're really getting. Oh my gosh, she is really sad. She is really suffering. She is crying. What can I do? Forget everything else. Forget whatever it is that I might even ask them to do. Let me just join her right now in this moment. This is really sad and I love her so much or I love this person so much. Let me be here and see what, see, let me just at least explore this opportunity. Like what's happening? What do you want? Like, and so for me, loyalty is that you're open enough to just be with me in whatever emotion that I happen to be in. So when someone joins me like that, when someone joins me in that mode, it automatically assures me you love me, you care for me. It doesn't assure me that you're going to agree with me, that you're going to be able to do whatever it is that I think that I want you to do. Because I think what happened from what I'm trying to play this scenario, had this happened, I wouldn't, I would never ask someone to do something that I knew that would be really difficult for them to do. And I even said that in this conversation, I would never ask you to do that. I just wanted to be seen. I assumed that you love me dearly. I love you dearly. I just wanted to be seen. I just wanted to be acknowledged that my feelings mattered, that I count, that I matter. Everything, nothing, everything else is workable, is doable, is probably not very important to me because I'm, I'm, I'm deeply connected to humanity. I care about all people. So probably if I think that you care deeply about me, which is what the relationship I think is built on, whatever actions are taken next, we can, we can probably agree on and come to a, a place of, of resolution for both of us. So it sounds like what you're saying is that loyalty is really just a feeling of understanding and grace and not so much the action, but more about the, the energy of it. Yes, because I think the ultimate action will be done together. If you join me in my suffering or whatever it is that's happening, if I know that, you know, when I say join me, I mean, like I matter wow, this person matters to me. What can I do in this moment? It doesn't mean that I have to give over my life and all the things. Just what can I do right now? And I think we for, people, people forget that. I mean, I have people in my life over the past years that are not necessarily, I'm, I'm not necessarily good friends with. But when they come to me with some kind of suffering or some kind of deep, extreme emotion, I'm there. What can I do? Doesn't mean I'm going to do what you want. I don't know, but I'm there. I'm here for you right now. 
I'm present. I'm in this moment. I, I am present for you. I am wholly here for you. What do you need? What can I do? And most of the time, if someone were to say that to me, I would say just that, just what you just said. I just want to know that I matter and that you're open to hearing and feeling and being with my emotions. So loyalty is presence. Yes. Beautiful, Michelle. Loyalty is presence. I'm here for you. Well, that makes sense. In this moment, presence. I love that. Loyalty equals presence. That makes sense then because this feeling of unconditional love or longstanding loyalty as far as like I will condone whatever you say or do or back you up in any situation really sets you up for failure and disappointment because like we always say, you know, you can't control what other people do or what happens in the external world. So blindly alleging and aligning yourself with people when, you know, actions happen and things happen, you don't have to always condone or support people in that way, but you can be present and show up and extend grace and to have a level of understanding to say, okay, let's talk about things or let's go through life or what's happening here without jumping the gun and saying like, all right, you're out. Yes. And I, because I think it's, it's really false to think that people are going to blindly accept any behavior whatsoever, even if you love the person. That just doesn't happen. And I have many. But I I think that growing up, we expect that. Like, you know, when I think of, you know, when I hear the word loyalty and in my mind, what comes up is, you know, you hear um, loyalty for friends in school growing up. And like, you know, I think of a, a schoolyard fight and you're on my side and you're on my side and who are you loyal to? And that, and that kind of, not that that's ever happened to me, but that's just what I picture. Um, and I think what's interesting about this conversation is is it has nothing to do with that. No, it doesn't. I mean, all you have to do is think about family members who have had tragedies happen where one of them, let's just say, have shot another person. You know, we, we hear about things like, well, we hear about things like that all the time. And I think the beautiful thing is you have family members who love their, their person dearly but they're not okay with the behavior. So I think we have to be cognizant of the fact that loyalty doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to be okay with the behavior, but it does mean I'm here for you. Let me, let me be here with you in this moment. Let me hear everything that you're feeling, expressing. Because for me, I've ha- I can think of a situation right now where someone was here for me fully. And by the time I was done talking about the whole situation it had lost its charge of the negative, combative, spiteful feelings that I had. Because when you got another person that will join you in love for you, in deep love for you, I mean, love for you doesn't mean I condone behavior all the time. I think that's where we get confused. Yeah. I think that's what you're talking that's about. That's what I'm getting at, yeah. Yeah, it, we, we have to separate those two. Behavior and love are not together. They are not together. You and I love each other dearly and deeply and unconditionally, but I don't like some of your behaviors and you don't like some of my behaviors. So to think that people's behavior is going to be in alignment with our loyalty and they're going to do whatever it is that we think they should, quote, should be doing, 
is exactly what you said earlier, Michelle, setting ourselves up for failure when it comes to relationships. And if you have that thought, start to think about letting go of that because I think people's behave, we don't know how people are going to behave, but if someone shows up for you in the moment, in the, in the most loving, kind, open, receptive, beautiful way possible, that for me is enough. Love it. And I think also using that quote, I think what's helped me a lot is that idea because I've gone through this so much and maybe all of you have gone through this so much, but now we're really talking about it. I've gone through this so much. For me, I have really adopted this idea that people are here for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. And very, 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 very few people are here for the lifetime, for the duration. And maybe those people that are here for the lifetime maybe didn't even come into your lifetime till you were 60 or 65 or whatever. So I think I always, because I didn't have any friends when I was younger, I always thought if I had a dear friend, they're, they're mine forever. Well, that's just not true. Everything changes. Life changes. We change. They change. It's just not true. So we're setting ourselves up for a situation that is absolutely not possible in most, uh, I guess, in most situations. Love it. Let's take a break. And we're back. So I think what you just laid out for us is is really great and really important. And I'm sure I'm going to re-listen to this a lot. And I hope you all find some value in that because we are kind of grown up and taught to look at relationships, particularly friendships in a certain way. And look the other side, maybe when friends do things, just to maintain a relationship because you can't lose your friends. And it does set our, it sets us up for disappointment, failure, frustration, and I think resentment too. You know, when we feel like we have to blindly show up for people or have unconditional love and not feel like we can say things to our friends if we feel like something's wrong or disagree or set a boundary or even speak up then the resentment starts to bubble up inside of us. And I think truly looking back on, I think the relationship you and I are both calling to mind most recently, it's not that that one thing I think happened and it ended. It was a long line of not speaking up, maybe not setting boundaries when it was necessary, maybe over crossing boundaries in an attempt to establish a false sense of closeness, but then having that lead into and bleed into a really deep feeling of resentment and anger and mistrust. I think you're right. I I think it's all of those things. And so I think what it's taught us, and I can speak for myself, what it's taught me is to really be mindful of how I'm feeling. And if I get the hit, ooh, something isn't quite right here, don't bypass it. Don't say, oh, it's okay. It's okay. She or he is just fine. Oh, Barbara, you're just being too sensitive. Don't ever tell yourself you're being too sensitive. Like, listen, the body always knows first. This is what I've really been looking at a lot this past year, past two years, actually. The body always knows first. My body is constantly talking to me. So if you get a hit, oh, something about what that person just said didn't sit right with me. Oh, it's okay. They're my good friend. It doesn't mean that it's a problem, but it means look into it. 
Become your own scientist of your life. Look into it. Hmm. Why did I get that little hit that this didn't quite sit right with me? What's happening here? And chances are you're going to discover, for me, I discovered that I needed to have a conversation with the person. Like I wasn't feeling like we were on the same page or I wasn't feeling like, like we were expressing ourselves in a way that we needed to, whatever it was, like something wasn't quite right. And I wasn't exactly sure wasn't quite right, but I needed to say, look to the friend, look, or the colleague, this is, this goes for work too. If you can, I know some situations we can't, but even in a work situation, look, something's not quite, I'm not, I'm not feeling, I'm feeling like something's up. Could we talk? I think a lot of people would push back and say that there's a lot of fear in speaking up like that. There so is. if you're feeling fearful of speaking up to a friend, does that then signify that it's not a, a real friendship? There or is. Or is it just that we've been living under these rules and regulations of friendship for so long that people aren't even open to constructive criticism or critiques because it's not loyalty? There is. I'm, I'm glad you said that because let's take the work, workplace colleague situation out of the equation and just keep it strictly to friendship. If you can't speak up, if you can't say, I don't know what's going on with me, but could we talk? And that person is open to talking and you guys, you guys go through it all together. If you can't, if you're scared of saying that for fear of losing the friendship or for fear that you don't even know what you're talking about or whatever it is for fear, then there's, that's a little bit of a problem. That's a little bit of a, you know, I use the word red flag. That's a little bit of, wow, what is causing me not to feel like I can just speak up and be who I am? So it goes back to what I said in the beginning. If you have to abandon yourself, if you have to deny yourself, if you have to deny your feelings, if you have to push everything down and say, it's all okay, Barbara, you're just being uh, paranoid. You're just being uh, over aggressive. You're just being, you're being too sensitive. If you have to label yourself all these things to push away the feeling that you're having, I promise you for me, I promise you for me, <laughs> I know to promise is a big word, but for me in every situation that I've done that, it comes out sideways somewhere else and it, it literally becomes somewhat of an explosion conversation later. Yeah. The resentment does build when you, when you don't feel like you can speak up. But I also can totally understand when you feel like you can't speak up because you don't want to rock the boat. It's, it's a really tricky conversation because I, I get it fully. You don't, having hard conversations is hard and talking to people about things that are bothering you about maybe their behavior or their actions is not easy. But I, I do think that, and maybe that's why I've had some friendships that have gone awry because the simple or seemingly simple act of coming to someone with a concern or a difficult conversation has not gone over well. But I do think that the right people will have the maturity and the grace and the understanding to take in a difficult conversation and maybe not take it personally or not be reactive and just listen and understand. And then, you know, I guess what a real friendship for me would be is like coming to a resolution, like you said, together and not just like, oh, you know, I don't care what you think or like, 
whatever. But, but, you know, I think being able to talk to somebody openly without judgment or misunderstanding is a huge, huge thing. It's all about communication. It is. And can I throw a question back at you? Sure. You said it, it, it's not easy to have these difficult conversations, and I could not agree with you more. But if we could kind of back up a little bit, when you get the first hit, like it's your best friend, let's just say this is your best friend and you get a hit. Often we're not even sure what it is. We just got a feeling like something didn't quite sit right. Whatever it was they said, whatever was done. And it might not even be about them. It might just be in the general area. It might be in the, in the general vicinity of it. We most often don't act on it because we're not aware that we even got the hit, but let's say we are aware we got the hit, but then we decide, oh, it's nothing and push it down. I think if we could actually act on that initial, wow, something doesn't feel right. Let me just call my friend. Hey, I don't know. I don't know how, what you think, but let me just tell you how I'm feeling right now. Something doesn't quite feel right. Could we talk? The conversation at that point is not difficult. It's easy. Wow. Something just hit me. I don't even know what it is. Let me call her or him or they or whoever it is, whoever it is that's involved in the conversation. Instead, we push it down. And then something else happens five days from now. Oh, there's that same feeling. Oh my gosh, I don't like this feeling. I don't want to deal with this feeling. It's okay. We push it down some more. And then a month from now, something happens. Oh, wow, I'm having the same feeling. Barbara, what's going on with you right now? What you know, I knew that they didn't like me. I knew that this was a problem. We push it down again. So then it becomes impossible. So I would like to just say, if we, if we could start to honor the feelings that we have, which we've talked about this several times in episodes, our feelings are valid. They're not final. They don't define who we are, but they're valid in the moment. And emotions want to be felt. They want to be acknowledged so that they can go. And if we could just start to do that, wow, I'm feeling this right now. And now I'm feeling the urge to call my friend. But how often do we do that? Oh, it's okay. She's going to think I'm stupid. He's going to think that something's wrong with me, or he's not even going to understand. They're going to think that I'm too sensitive. So we push it down. I, I really want to push back on that because I've been thinking about that for myself. Cause I think I'm, I am a number one. Um, I'm a number one person in that. I rarely just act on the feeling and call the person. And I think it causes, it has, it has caused me a lot of turmoil and difficulty. And I just think if we could think about that when we're feeling the feelings in the moment, I think it can help. I think it really might take away that feeling of this is really difficult and it might start to be more easy breezy. Hey, I'm feeling this. What do you think? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So what I gather from that is it goes back to kind of what we've talked about on on this show a lot, that you have to start by being your own best friend first and understanding what you're feeling and feeling what you're feeling in the moment and kind of asking yourself, what do you need to move forward? Because sometimes I think we get those knee-jerk reactions about something and we either bark out about it or we swallow it and maybe it's not even anything that matters but it's you know a heated moment but if we feel it process it and move forward and then ask ourselves what we need we can figure out what the best action is to take 
but I don't think we tend to check in with ourselves in that way. So being your best friend first is what leads to those healthy friendships all around you. I'll give you an example. So recently I said something benign, very benign, but I got the hit that, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. So like maybe 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes later, it was a, it was a period of time. It was later in some other time in the relationship that we were together that day. I said, I'm really sorry that I said that. And they looked at me and said, sorry for what? You have to apologize. I don't even know what you're talking about. And that's kind of what I'm talking about. I think things can build inside of us if we're feeling or giving it more credit than it deserves or thinking. And had I just said something in the moment, the minute I felt a little cringe inside of me, I wish I hadn't said that. Had I just looked at the person and said, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. You know, kind of been easy. I love the easy breezy idea of things. And just kind of, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. You know, let's, let's, let's move on. Just, just at least to release the feeling for myself of it. The other person most of the time thinks nothing of it, but it builds inside of us. And so five hours later, I say, I'm really sorry. And they're like, what? You don't have to apologize. What, what are you talking about? But we let it build and thank goodness I said something five hours later, cause I could let it build a day, two days, a week, a month. And that's what I believe for relationships. If I think about the one that we're talking about now, where we were ghosted, where one minute we're friends, the next minute we're not, and we were done after a really, really long relationship. I think all along the way, there were, there were times where feelings could have been said or conversations could have been had that weren't. Mm. That's interesting. So I have a few lessons that I've learned from friendship breakups that I wanted to share because they're hard. And given everything we've talked about so far in this episode, I think knowing we're used to romantic relationships, breakups, even though those are really hard to, and family relationships are have their own dynamics and rules and expectations. But friendship breakups can be really hard. And so, like I said, we've had quite a few during our duration of life. And I wanted to share some of the ones that I've learned. I wanted to say, I know we talk about that a lot. We've had quite a few. And I know I said to your therapist, what's the matter with me? I feel like I have too many of these. I think probably all of us at some point in our lives have several strong, close friendship breakups. So I think... Normalized friendship breakup. Yeah, it happens. Not everyone's here for the duration. And, and Well, don't give away some of the lessons. Oh, sorry. But just love the time that we have together in this moment and wish them well and keep on moving forward. So let's hear the lesson, sweetie. So the first thing is that friendships don't need to last forever in order to be meaningful, impactful, or loving. Um, like I said, I, I used to think that you had to be BFF with people for your whole life in order for them to be significant. But like you just said, relationships are here for a reason and a season. Yeah, and they're not here forever. Nothing is forever. I think if we can adopt the idea that 
change is inevitable and just being who we are. So I think I love what you said earlier when you said to me, you just want people to be present. So just kind of being present to our lives moment to moment, being authentic as, as to who we are and trying not, uh, not trying, but really being mindful not to abandon who we are and think we have to shape shift who we are to please other people will serve us greatly. Yeah. I know it's serving me as I, as I continue to learn this. A lifelong lesson. Um, the second is that human beings are never stagnant. We're always changing and growing and evolving. So it's really futile to assume that relationships would stay the same or could even stay the same and not change and not evolve. And that was a big one for me. Because even with some of the stuff that we're going through right now in our family and other aspects of our our life, things change and people change and people evolve and have different values and goals and ideas and ideologies and beliefs. And we can't control other people like we know. So relationships evolve and clinging to that notion that you can hold on to relationships as they maybe once were rather than where they are now is really a recipe for heartache. So just being open to the idea that relationships are always changing and growing into different shapes and forms and, and how they show up in your life is a great way, at least for me that I've noticed helps me to not be so emotionally connected to the status of a relationship. I love that, Michelle. I remember, I don't know why this touched me when you said that. I remember, you know, my mother was an alcoholic. She had a very difficult, difficult, emotional life. And I I know she suffered a lot. And I remember one particular time she and I were in a huge argument, huge argument. I was probably middle school maybe or, yeah, middle school probably. And I remember she was crying and she looked at me and she said, you have no idea what it's like being me walking in my shoes. So don't ever assume that you know what I'm feeling. And I never forgot that, that whole idea that we never know what's happening in another person's being. We never know what's happening in another person's life And we certainly don't know what it's like to walk in another person's shoes in their lives and how they're feeling. We can have compassion and empathy and all the things, but we actually don't know. We actually don't know. (laughs) We hardly know what's happening in our own life sometimes. It's hard sometimes to figure out what the feelings we're having mean and what do we do about them. So the thought that we we could know what another person is going through. So when a relationship breaks up, when something happens, it's so easy for us to either be hard on ourselves or be judgmental or, or mean or not like the other person so much. So it's just really been helpful for me to remember. I have no idea. That's so funny that you said that because that was the next one I was going to say. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that. They're on the same wavelength yes. that just, we never really know what other people's life experiences are like which means that we can never fully understand why some people act the way that they do. And just remembering not to 
use up so much of your mental space and time trying to figure out the reasons behind people's behaviors rather than just cultivate awareness and acceptance and a clear sense of what you will and will not tolerate. You know, it's that whole idea of storytelling and writing stories about why people are the way that we are, but we never get the whole story. We never know the full picture. Even if you're as close as you and I are, I still don't know what it's like to be you and you don't know what it's like to be me. So why spend the time trying to write the story that we can never write because we never have all the information? Love it. Free yourself from that. Um, The next one is sometimes the most loving act you can do for someone is to give space and grace. You're big on that. I've learned that from you so much. You've been a great teacher for me for that because I want to be in your face. (laughs) (laughs) If something is wrong or you're feeling something or I'm feeling something, I want to be right there to fix it or I want to be right there to go through it. I want to be right there to to know so that I can be of help or so that we can, we can resolve. And you are really a great teacher and just give me some space. Give me some grace. Space and grace, space and grace. And that also goes into not just space, like with what you were saying between you and me, like I just need space to process, but you can distance yourself from a relationship and create space because maybe you don't know what to do or there's no solution that's present or, you know, there's no resolution or you just need some space and you can love people from afar. Um, even if there's space between the two of you or the group of you or whatever the dynamic might be. So just because there's space doesn't mean that the relationship is no longer And then the last one, which is one we've talked about quite often, but always is worth a reminder. It's okay to set boundaries with people you love. You know, we get a lot, a lot of questions um, in the DMs and in emails to talk about in-laws. And I'm obviously not married. So I say this, that I don't know if I'm the, the best person to share about that you could probably talk about it more but for those of you who are constantly asking about in-laws just remember that it's okay to set boundaries with people that you love and a boundary is not a signal of something that's wrong but remember an act of care and the red flag really is when people in your life cannot or will not respect the boundary and I think just to add to that that boundaries are not walls to keep people out if you're actually setting a boundary with someone it means you do care It means you do want them in your life, but you need for it to work, for it to be in your best interest mentally, physically, spiritually, and vice versa. So I think the fact that you even want to set a boundary with someone that you love is a good sign. It's not to keep people out. It's not a punishment. It truly is. How can we make this work for both of us? You know, the the older I get, the more I really value structure. I used to be such a loosey-goosey structure was my enemy like whatever kind of person when I was younger and as I've grown and learned and evolved I find structure to be so important and calming and really helpful in relationships and I really do think of boundaries as a structure in a relationship you know 
you tell me what works for you. I tell you what works for me. And when you show up with that grace and space and understanding and presence, you can make it work. You can figure it out. You can say, okay, sure. Or, well, let's talk about that because something about that doesn't sit right with me. Or I understand. I'll work on it. You know, it's that structure. So you're not confused by people. You're not sitting around guessing or wondering. Everything is really clear and straightforward and out in the open. And whether that be with an in-law or a friend or a family member or a colleague, it's just so much more comforting and and feels good to live in relationships that are created that way and set up that way. That's so beautiful, Michelle. And it just brought me back to the very first question you asked me, like, what do I feel is, what, what is loyalty? What is, what is a true loving, good friendship? And really a true loving, good friendship is that the other person cares what I need. The other person is willing to say, what do you, how, how do we make this work? I love you so much. How can we make this work? What do you need? And then I tell, they tell me what they need. You just said that so perfectly because I think we're really reluctant to say what we need. And when we can actually say, this is what I need. And then we turn it around and say, what do you need? That is a beautiful relationship when two people or a group of people are open to knowing and understanding and doing the best that they can to give the other person what they need. And sometimes they'll say, you know, I can't give that to you. So can we figure out, you know, what I can give and maybe you can get that somewhere else. So I just think that that's really important. And the, the last thing that I think as you, you summed up, I love your lessons, Michelle, because they're so, it, it's really, I'm hoping that this episode gives people something to think about because relationships are our hardest, used to say this a lot, our hardest assignment in life. Like relationships are the most difficult. It is hands down the most prominent question that we get. And so what I want to end my little piece with this today is that I want to redefine what it means to love someone. That love doesn't mean we have to be physically in the vicinity of the person. That we have to actually be in their physical presence. Because I have many people in my life that I love dearly that I can't or that it doesn't work or they don't want to. Like, what do we do when we love someone dearly and they don't want to be with us or they ghost us or they don't want to share with us? So love doesn't mean we have to then do turn our lives upside down and abandon who we are so just so that we can be in their presence, so we can have dinner with them or so that we can go have holiday with them or so we can go on vacation with them or so that we can just spend a day with them or lunch with them, whatever it is. It doesn't mean that. For me, over the past, I don't know, I'm 66 years old, so past 40 years, 45 years, for me, love means that I can love you but not want to have you physically present in my life and vice versa. You can love me but not have me physically present in your life. And that that's not only okay, it's beautiful. And I would even say too, on the flip side of with relationships and friendships, I have a lot of, some of my best relationships are with people who don't live near me or even live near me. And I don't see all the time because we're busy and have lots of stuff happening in our lives that precludes us from being physically together often 
but that doesn't mean that our relationship is isn't strong or meaningful or or impactful so just like you said something to think about something to think about in your friendships is breaking down those rules and preconceived notions of like what friendship should look like and just know what works for you like some of my best friends we text more than we talk on the phone and we see each other maybe once or twice a year but I know that they're my best friends because of you know how we engage with each other and we know each other well enough to show up in the ways that we've discussed in this episode so just take all of that in and marinate in it I guess you always say, Michelle, there's no timeline to life. I think there's no cut and dried answer to what a good friendship is and what it means to be a good friend. It it really matters that you, the person that you're in the friendship with, you're on the same page and you're able to be who you are. If you can be exactly who you are in the friendship, and that doesn't mean crazy behavior or it doesn't mean that behavior is condoned and that the person has to be okay with it. Remember we said that already, but like you can just show up who you are and have fun and do the things that you want to do and be serious when you need to be serious and just be who you are without needing to shape shift. For me, that's a good friendship. Agreed. Thank I you. Love it. Yeah. I love this. Thank Thanks you for sharing all of that. I think it's helpful and we'll, we'll marinate in it ourselves and maybe we'll have more thoughts down the road. But let us know what you think and what comes up for you when you think about friendships and what matters to you the most because we always love hearing what you think about it all, as always. So thanks, Mom, for sharing that. And thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode and for being a part of the Barb Knows Best community. If you'd like to stay in touch with us, please make sure you're following us on social media at Peaceful Barb, at Michelle Maros, at Barb Knows Best Pod. That's where you can send us questions, comments, concerns, and requests for future podcast topics. If you haven't yet, make sure that you are liked and subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, so you can stay up to date on all of the newest episodes. And if you haven't yet, please, please, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes or Spotify and leave us a review. It is really nice for us to read those. And it's really helpful for us as we continue to grow this community and this show. So all of those things mean so much to us. Thank you in advance. Thank you for listening. Thank you, mom. And we'll chat with you next week because as we know, Barb knows best. Bye. Bye.